Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. So the name of this sermon this morning is A Restoration to, to Worship. And so religious persecution has always been and always will be. And so some of the earliest forms of it took place in the 1600s. When the pilgrims left England to escape it. However, not only did the pilgrims come to America to escape religious persecution, but they also came for the same reasons that millions of others have done since then. They came to find refuge. And so America has always represented freedom. And so not only was it their desire to seek freedom from religious um, persecution, and to find freedom in every sense of the word. And so the prayer the pilgrims were early Protestant settlers who were forced to practice their beliefs in secret. England considered them to be a threat to the church and to the monarchy. The pilgrims had a different interpretation of the Bible the state of England had. In fact, the state of England interpretations were never to be questioned or strayed from. So doing so resulted in a penalty ranging from a fine to death. Sounds like our country today. Amen. So on July 22nd, 1620, the pilgrims uh, boarded the ship Speedwell. Uh, they left from Holland and said their tearful goodbyes to their friends and church members whom they were leaving behind. In fact, they were leaving the majority of their uh, church congregation behind. Even their pastor, uh, John Robinson, was not amen, coming with them. But the intent was to send these first few men and women to establish a colony. Then the rest of the church would be able to come over later. The pilgrims were planning to build their settlement around the mouth of the Hudson River. Near the present day Long Island, New York. But when the Mayflower turned south, they nearly shipwrecked. In some difficult uh, shoals off the coast of uh, Cape Cod, the pilgrims decided not to risk another attempt but instead explored the region around Cape Cod. They anchored in what is now known uh, the Providence, uh, Providence Town Harbor on November 11, 1620. And so it is amazing how men and women were live, uh, willing to leave their country, not only their country, but their family members, to go to a land they had never been before so they could preserve the worship of, of God. And so in the book of Nehemiah, amen, Nehemiah and Ezra were men who did not only preserve the worship of God, but they brought it back to the Jews. Let's read our scripture this morning, Nehemiah 1 through, amen, 1, 1 through 11. It says the words of Nehemiah, the son of uh, Hekliah. Uh, now it happened in the month of Sheslev, in the 20th year, that I was in Susa, the citadel. That I, Hanaya, um, that Hanaya, one of the brothers, came to a certain man of Judah, 
Amen. And asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the providence who had survived the exile is in uh, great trouble and shame. The walls, or the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps uh, covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you this uh, you day and night. For the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments and, and the statutes and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful, I will, uh, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts, amen, are in the uttermost part of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. It goes on to say in verse 10, then your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive, amen, to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants, who delight to fear your name and give a success to your servant today and grant his mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. Let's pray. God, we pray this morning, my God, that we would be a people that would return to worship, my God. Not just a people, but a nation, my God, that would return to you, Lord God, to your ways, Lord God, to, Lord God, your ordinance that you have placed before us. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to take a look this morning at the broken down wall. And so in our scripture the temple had been destroyed and the walls of protection were in ruin. In our story, God is allowing the nation of Israel to come back from exile to reestablish a place of worship after they failed to keep the covenant that God had made with them. I want to compare this to the United States of America, not just to the United States of America, but to, to the whole world. The United States of America is a nation that's been a God-fearing nation for the longest time. We have been a nation that has kept God's standards. We have been a nation that has kept God's covenant. Our forefathers founded this nation under God. Even though this nation has been rich in its heritage of being a God-fearing nation, I'm afraid slowly but surely... Just like the Jews, we have turned from our covenant with God. The other day, amen, I spoke about the Pharisees. And so these were religious leaders of God's law. They knew the law, but they failed to let the law deal with their hearts. 
We live in a nation. And so this nation that you and I live in, it is saturated with all sorts of godly resources. We have churches on every block. We have endless books, many different Bible translations. I don't even know how many Bible translations we have. Endless online assets. Yet it seems, amen, that people cannot live in reverence towards their creator. You tell, the, you tell people about God and they say, yes, I have a relationship with them, with him. But they are powerless, powerless to serve him. And so 2 Timothy 3, uh, 2-5 says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. So, amen. Paul says, stay away from people like that. And so this morning, I believe the reason why, amen, America and the church is powerless is because we have trusted in creation. Rather than the Creator, the Scripture says they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And as we look, amen, at the world, and even in the church world, how many of us can say that we're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God? The United States of America, amen, we, have, we are blessed because of God. But instead of worshiping the Creator, we worship the blessing. God told his people not to intermix with the pagan nations that surrounded them. Because these were sensual people. These were people of indulgence. And so God was trying to, amen, keep his people away from this. And so self-indulgence would lead his people to abandon him and forget all that he had done for them. And so God had established laws and ordinance, a practice of which the Jews were to serve him. And so this was a foundation, amen, he had put in place so they would not forget where they had come from or who they were. Think about this. Everything surrounded the worship, amen, of the in the temple of God. And so the temple of God, amen, that was built, the temple of Solomon, was actually a picture, amen, a portrait of God, what God's people's hearts were supposed to be like. And so God wanted, amen, to put those laws, establish their laws into his people's hearts. And so a devotion to God was never meant to be burdensome. Amen. For us to serve Him was never meant to be burdensome. And so we live in a self-pleasing society. 
when we are self-pleasing, we let down our spiritual standards of protection. And so it puts a false sense of security and prosperity in us. I want to say this morning that Tri-Cities, your capitalism is not going to save you. Amen. The United States of America, our capitalism is not going to save us. We have turned from God. This is what, amen, the question is this morning, are we going to turn, amen, from our ways and turn to God? And so this is what, amen, this man did in our scripture. Sorry, I hadn't slept for a while. Amen. And so Eli was a prophet. He put, amen, his strength in his prosperity. First Samuel 4, 14 through 22, it says, What is all that noise about? Eli asked. The messengers rushed over to Eli, who was uh, 98 years old and blind. He said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my son? Eli demanded. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines. The messengers replied. The people had been slaughtered, and your two sons, Hapni and Phinei, were also killed. The ark of God has been captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark, Eli fell backward from his seat besides the gate. His neck broke, amen, and he died, for he was old and overweight. He was fat, one translation says. He was self-indulgent, amen. And so he had been Israel's judge for 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Peniel, was pregnant and near her time of delivery. And when she heard the ark of God had been captured, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth. But before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Do not be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay, or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory of God? For she said, Israel, glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband were dead. Then she said, the glory has departed from Israel. For the ark of God has been captured. And so Eli was a judge over Israel. You can say that he was a priest over Israel. And so this man, he became self-indulgent. He was unwilling to judge the, the sins of his sons. A matter over his own household. And thus the glory of God had departed from the people of Israel. The protection was gone, amen, from the people of Israel. Now, I want to say this morning, do we not see, church, our walls are falling. Our protection is being removed from us. The people of God are so comfortable, you cannot move them beyond their comfort zone. 
We have forgotten faithfulness. We have forgotten long-suffering. We have regard, uh, forgotten reverence towards our Savior. And so God wants to reestablish worship in the place where it matters. And that's in the heart. And so how does the God do this? And I want to take a look secondly. He leads us into captivity. So God let this king, Nebuchadnezzar, take the Jews into captivity for their idol worship. And their intermarrying with the foreigners of the land that led his people away from him. And so I believe that God is leading the United States into captivity. Because we have forgotten our Savior. And so we're intermarrying actually with the desires of pleasure. The desires, amen, that are in this world. The desires, amen, that, that were meant to be a blessing to us. And so I want to say that God knows how to bring his people back to worship. How many of us know that calamity brings people to repentance? And a giving of themselves solely to their Savior. And most of us got saved in this place because we were in trouble. Think about it. Isn't God good? Even though we do not deserve it, He is willing to redeem a lost humanity that has turned our backs on Him. And not even a humanity, amen, but, but a nation or nations. And so if we do not give ourselves to our Savior, then we will give ourselves back to the captivity that God once saved us from. But the way to God's heart is to turn to Him once again. I want to take a look lastly. Is there a need for restoration? Nehemiah, he had the heart of God. As soon as Nehemiah heard the wall of Jerusalem is broken, the gates are destroyed by fire, he sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. When Nehemiah got before God, he was able to find favor for his people. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 6 says, In the month of Nisa, uh, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had uh, not been sad in his presence. Listen to what he says. I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick. This is nothing but sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid. You did not show any emotions before the king. I said to the king, let the uh, king live forever. Why should my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's grave, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire, then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, then you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's grave, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen was sitting beside him. How long 
Will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And so Artaxerxes was the son of Xerxes. Xerxes was the husband of Esther. If you remember the story, Esther goes bef before him. And so you did not just go before the king. You could get executed. Amen. So that's why Esther was so afraid to go before the king. You just did not enter his presence. But think about this. The king says, amen, to Nehemiah, what's troubling you? He's, and the scripture says that his, his face, amen, was not sad before him. This goes to show that Nehemiah got favor before the king to restore his people. So in 445 BC, the Persian king Xerxes sent Nehemiah, an Israelite who, had, who was a trusted official, to help rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And so with the third wave of returning Jew exiles, he was able to do this. Nehemiah was a man who was able to bring restoration of God's worship to his people because he had not forgotten the law that was written in his heart. You see him when he hears of what had happened, he goes immediately and he knows what he needs to do. So he hadn't forgotten God's law. And also he made it a practice on a daily basis to worship God. If we are, amen, to bring restoration to the world and a nation that has fallen, then we're going to have to be a holy people set apart for God's use. And so Nehemiah was set apart for God's use. Think about this. Even though he was the king's cupbearer, he was in a position of stature. He was a in a position of comfort. He was in a position... Amen. Of influence also. He, not, he did not give himself to the culture that he was around. So he was able, amen, to be an influence upon the king. To be used for God's purpose in restoring worship to his people. I want to say this morning that we are called to restore true worship to the land. Before the Savior comes back, amen, for us. This is our task, church. Amen. And it must be done. We must be ready. Amen. Because I'm, I'm telling you, our Savior's coming back. We see the world around us. We talk to people. And they're, they're not willing, amen, to give their, themselves to God. I'm willing, amen, to give myself to God. It's hard sometimes. But it must be done. Amen. And I believe God is going to bring, amen, salvation before the return of His Son, Jesus, and now born of His Spirit. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed?
You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.